All right, let's uh, let's open with a prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we uh, just thank you uh, for your faithfulness to us, to bring us again together to worship you, to study your word. God, I, uh, as Pastor Rick just mentioned, the, the sickness that's going around, Lord, I just pray that you would be with those who are not feeling well, that you would uh, quickly restore them to health, that you would bring them back uh, to us here, that we could all uh, worship together and fellowship. God, I pray that you would be with us as we uh, continue this study. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, just be honest as we examine our own hearts, uh, as we examine the things that are uh, struggles for each of us individually. And, and Lord, that you would give us the 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 resolve and the the strength to to do what needs to be done in order to to keep our hearts, uh, to guard them, and to uh, Lord, just that we would be able uh, by your by the power of your spirit to uh, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have called us Lord, <clears throat> we desire to be sanctified we desire that our hearts be uh, pure and clean that our that our thoughts our desires uh, and our our wills uh, would be uh, directed by you uh, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, use this study to, to help us to accomplish that Okay, so we are continuing our study on understanding the heart. Um, in his book, With All Your Heart, uh, Craig Troxell identifies three aspects of our inner life that the Bible uses the word heart for. The mind, the desires, and the will. And we've examined uh, all these in light of scripture, how they are affected by sin, and how Christ offices of prophet, priest, and king address each of these. And last week, we began uh, talking about keeping the heart. And this week, we're going to talk about the gatekeepers of our hearts. Gatekeepers uh, control access. Uh, when it comes to our hearts, our eyes and ears serve as gatekeepers, uh, allowing both uh, images and words to enter our hearts or blocking access if we choose to avoid them. The Bible has much to say about how we should utilize these gatekeepers in keeping our hearts. And so we're going to begin with the eyes. Uh, many things penetrate uh, into your heart first. Uh, many, many things that enter or that penetrate into your heart first enter through your eyes. Uh, perhaps more than anything else, your sight prejudices your thoughts, desires, and decisions. And if you think about it, that's that's often the case. Just the things you see, they're going to they're gonna dictate what's going on uh, very often inside your heart. In Scripture, the eyes uh, represent uh, the spiritual vision of your heart and life. Uh, in fact, the correlation between the eyes and the heart uh, is so strong that it almost seems to be interchangeable. For example, uh, David says in Psalm 113, uh, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And so the, the idea there, the, the, the worshiper's lowered eyes reflect a humbled heart. Um, he's, he's saying, my eyes are not lifted up. That's uh, very much representative of that his heart is not lifted up. He's not puffed up in, uh, in, in pride and arrogance. Um, Luke chapter 18 Verse 13, Jesus tells the the uh, the story of the the uh, the tax collector and the the, uh, the Pharisee, 
says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even uh, lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And so you see there, again, just that idea that the, the lowered eyes are a symbol of humility of the heart, uh, whereas raised up eyes are uh, a display of arrogance. Uh, and you see the opposite, the, the display of arrogance in Psalm 101, verse 5. It says, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. This is God speaking. Um, whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Um, and so there, that idea of a, of a, a haughty look um, and an arrogant heart are, are tied together. Just that the, the eyes and the heart are very much um, connected. In uh, the book of Jeremiah, God rebuked uh, Shalom, saying uh, in verse chapter 22, verse 17, uh, but you have eyes and heart only for your dishonest gain. For shedding innocent blood and for practicing oppression and violence. So what his eyes were fixed on and what his heart was set on were the same things. Um, those, those, you know, just the way that that God describes it is his heart is set on these things, his eyes are fixed on these things. Uh, the the shedding of innocent blood, the dishonest gain, the practice of oppression and violence. Illumination is a sign of spiritual health. Um, spiritual decline is marked by an inability to see. Uh, Jeremiah laments God's judgment on uh, the people with these words in Lamentations chapter 5, verse 17. For this our heart has become sick, for these things our eyes have grown dim. Um, yeah, in scripture, to enlighten the eyes is to enlighten the heart. Psalm 19, verse 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So again, just this idea of, of enlightenment um, or uh, the idea of, of God's judgment and, and lack, of, um, lack of understanding, um, are they're, they're connected with, you know, with the heart and with the eyes. Uh, Jesus spoke uh, of the eye in this way. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 22 through 23, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now, we see then that the eyes um, are very connected to the heart. Um, the, the reality is that the eyes determine what passes through them. And in order to preserve our heart, which is what we're talking about here, we've, we've talked about uh, God's work on our heart, but we, uh, we need as, as Christians, as we're sanctified, to keep our hearts. In order to preserve and protect your heart, your eyes must function as sentinels, keeping watch when danger comes within view. Your eyes either steer your heart uh, clear of danger uh, or lead your heart straight into danger. Um, and so uh, your eyes um, just very much are going to be something that, that, that's something that you can control, what your eyes are doing, and it's going to affect, um, it's going to restrict or allow things to come into your heart. Um, the, the, 
the the reality of your eyes uh, being a gateway to your heart is something that advertisers use quite frequently. Um, I'm sure many of you are, are aware of this. If you ever study like what you know what marketers do uh, in their advertisement, um, there's there's a great deal of this where they can get you to buy something uh, simply by making appeal to you know what goes through your eyes. Uh, they will uh, you know wrap things in uh, you know certain colors uh, to you know to catch people's attention. I've you know I've heard people talk about you know the uh, you know the, like butterfingers are marketed to children and so they have this bright color um, you know specifically to catch children's eyes and they do all sorts of things like that just depending on you know what demographic they're after um, they will put images on products um, they will uh, the salespeople that they have trying to sell products they will make sure that these these people are attractive people that they're very personable people um, that, that like, they will be people that are appealing to you to try to get access to your heart and cause your desires to be for this uh, product, whatever it is. Um, even Satan's temptation in the garden used this principle. Genesis chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, uh, it says, For God knows, um, this is Satan speaking, uh, For God knows that when you eat uh, of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So um, this, is, this is something that, again, Satan is very aware of the way that we're created and the way that uh, things entering in through our eyes are going to have an effect on us. Uh, now, as you would probably expect, um, if you've been in the church for any length of time, and you say, "Okay, this is our topic. It's you know guarding the eyes from seeing things." One of the greatest danger, one of the greatest dangers in uh, in this respect is lust. Um, that's going to be like you know kind of that's the standard topic. We're not going to limit it to that, but that's certainly one of the things that pops up very frequently, and it's very important. Um, Job understood the importance of guarding the eyes. Uh, Job chapter 31, verse 1, Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Now the word gaze uh, indicates uh, uh, considering something closely. Um, Job is not saying that he shut himself up um, uh, so that he can never catch sight of a woman. That's not what he's talking about there. What he has in mind is the same thing that Jesus spoke about. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Uh, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, that's, the, that's the concern. It's, it's what's the intent of the, your looking. Um, you know, are you just seeing a person or are you viewing them as an object of your lust? Um, and so Job has made this, this covenant with his eyes that he's not going to do this. Uh, lustful intent is the illicit uh, look uh, of an unfaithful heart. It's not a glance, but it's uh, deliberately prolonged. It's not involuntary, but it's cherished. Uh, it looks in order to take. Uh, this is selfish desire stretching out its greedy hands to forbidden fruit. And whether it's a person you meet in everyday life, uh, in a picture, on a page, or a computer screen, 
uh, or even the imaginary result of something you read. These illicit images lead your heart astray. Um, I mean, oftentimes we think of you know just the uh, pornography on the computer screen, but uh, it can it can happen in all sorts of of circumstances. Whether it's just people you see, whether it's uh, novels you read, all sorts of things can lead to this uh, to this lust, this uh, gazing, as it were, in a way that you should not. So this is something that we need to be um, we need to be very concerned about. Um, and Christ calls for action and sacrifice uh, that truly gets at the problem. Um, our eyes are gatekeepers. We can control this. We're not just um, at the mercy of, of things that come at us. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, uh, Jesus says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Um, when it comes to uh, the heart's gatekeeper, the, the, uh, yeah, when it comes to the heart's gatekeeper, um, you cannot uh, compromise with half measures. You must take up radical measures. Uh, the Christian cannot afford to flirt with danger. Uh, lust, which is adultery in the heart, needs very little before it becomes adultery in the physical world resulting in even worse consequences. Um, but not only does lust lead to adultery, it eventually leads to hell. Uh, that's why uh, in Proverbs, the warnings about an adulteress are given in terms of life and death. Uh, consider Proverbs chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 24. Uh, he says, And now, O son, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So it's very serious, and we need to take serious action. Now when we consider um, Jesus' words, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Um, do you think that he intended that we would literally rip out our eyes if we're, um, you know, if we see things that cause us to lust? Any thoughts? Self mutilation is, is bad in principle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's a. That's it. We, we should consider that. It's like, oh yeah, self-mutilation is, is bad in principle. So, um, yeah, that's the, I don't think that that's what Jesus is teaching, and as far as I know, that's been kind of a universal understanding of this passage throughout church history. Uh, I don't think Jesus intended anyone to actually gouge out their own eyes. His point is that we need to be prepared to take radical steps in our fight against sin. Are you willing to sacrifice what you prize most in order to guard your heart from evil? Are you willing to sacrifice your favorite activity, your most prized possession, or one of your closest friendships? Um, if these things draw your heart away from God, you should be prepared to do that. Taking such steps will be painful, uh, but real agonizing measures must be taken. Amen. I, this is not the same as plucking out your eye, but Joseph, for example, when he was tempted, 
he ran even leaving his coat behind. I think that's kind of the principle that's really right getting out there. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was so concerned about avoiding sin that it's like I'm just leaving. Yeah. So um and this is something that like each individual and what it is that you're facing is going to require different things. But very often it's going to be very hard things. It's going to be things that are uh, that are very um, very difficult for us because we're going to say, well, I, I really like this and maybe there's good things about this. But if it's leading us into sin, then it's something that we need to take a, take a hard look at and say, maybe I should cut this out of my life. Um, so Chris, could I? Yes, sir. But you know, I, I do think you know. I know I've heard preachers preach on that and talk about you know they they want to be careful not to think that it's mutilation or, or something like that of the mm-hmm. body. But there is a sense like you're, you're you're talking about now is of that extreme. Mm-hmm. And and even if you think about not to be graphic, but to, if you do gouge out your eye, I mean there there's a, a radical uh, action taken that causes you pain mm-hmm. and and great loss right and stuff and so i think even in our battle with sin mm-hmm. you know i think we we need to think in those terms of just that this when i when i do battle with sin there there's going to be pain in my life exactly. it's going to be not just inconvenience mm-hmm. but very hard and and it's gonna yeah anyway yeah no that's that. that's exactly right i mean you know i mean I, you know, all sorts of examples can be given. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody who just like refuses to have a, you know, a smartphone uh, just because of, you know, access it grants them to pornography on the internet. But I mean, but it, you know, that might be something that you have to do. It's like I just, I just can't have a phone that has access to that. Um, you know, and that's in our world, it's becoming like more and more the case that it's like. You're dependent on your smartphone for so many things in just your day-to-day life, um, and it's a it's a hardship to you know just say, well, I'm not you know I'm not even going to have a smartphone, uh, but that might be what you have to do. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's all sorts of things you can implement when it comes to fighting uh, lust, um, and that may not be the answer, but it might be, and you need to be prepared for whatever it is. Um, and you know, and it's very natural for us to focus on lust when we talk about uh, the eyes. Uh, but there are many sins that are uh, that are fed um, by our eyes. Um, can anybody? I'm gonna say that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about some examples. But can anybody think of some examples of of what what your eyes lead you into that you might you might put a guard on your eyes that um, other than lust? Self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, okay. And I mean, anything from overeating uh-huh. to uh, consuming too much, uh, just wasting time and consuming uh, either TV or books or just mm-hmm. uh, j- just self-indulgence is a very broad sure. spectrum. Mm-hmm. And, and I go, jumping on that, like spending, mm-hmm. overspending what you, you've actually earned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All sorts of different things. Yeah, I mean, uh, greed is is definitely a huge one. I mean, it's like um, we are we, we live in a society where um, there's there's a whole segment of our society that is built on the idea of making the average person as greedy as possible and finding ways to get their money. And so they're they're focused on well, I need to make products that I can somehow get somebody to want. 
they, you know, it's it's not that it's like this is something that people need to have. Um, not even that it's necessarily something that's going to make their life better, but just in some way, it's like I can get you to want this, and I can get your money out of it. Um, but even then, it's like oftentimes things that are uh, things that are very good, things that are needful for our lives or just very useful for our lives, um, we can be pulled into uh, a greed for this. I mean, I, I know, like. My, my personal problem is like I love books, so um, very very frequently I think I would do better if I not like be browsing books that are available for sale, especially you know it's like oh well they're on discount you know it's like the, these are that I mean in a sense that's like it encourages my heart to sin uh, by just putting these things before my eyes because it's like okay well I've got enough books I you know I don't. <laughs> don't really need to buy more books right now um, and it can be all sorts of things um, uh, but if you're if you're constantly like looking through things where it's like oh well I might want to buy something uh, in you know whatever category this is from whatever store this is and you're just constantly like looking at these things and you're just encouraging uh, that greed that consumerism in your heart um, and it might be a good idea to, to cut your eyes off from those things and just you know, wait until you actually have a need, and then go shopping. Ben? And going on with the whole like it can be a good thing. And, uh, I love what he says. It's it's if it's out of bounds or out of balance too. That's when it becomes a sin. And, and I think it's with our desires. He says, but like you can invest a whole lot of time and energy to uh, remodeling your house or making sure you have the perfect lawn or mm-hmm. any sort of good thing that it's great to do. It's your, God calls you to take care of the things that he's given you, right. like your house, your lawn, mm-hmm. all these different things. But you turn your eyes on them so much, mm-hmm. or maybe on your neighbors and you're envying what they have. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you you know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, in that case, you don't want to spend quite as much time, you know, watching the, you know, the channel that, you know, that shows you how to take care of your lawn, or, you know, or, you know, spend too much time staring at your your neighbor's lawns to see is like you know oh oh I could do that I could make mine look better that way um, again like you said you know um, there's there's a balance where it's like these things aren't necessarily evil um, but if they just are the focus of your heart and and they take place of the true eternal spiritual things that you really should be focused on uh, then those are things you should be concerned about uh, and if you see that happening you need to say okay I I have this gatekeeper here. I cannot look at this, and this will make my heart more healthy. Um, another example um, is uh, we we live in a world today where there's a great deal of social media that's used, um, and social media can have very good uses, uh, but very frequently social media is a basically a platform for people's pride and narcissism. It's simply a way that they can be putting themselves out there, telling people about themselves, um, or at least a version of themselves that they've uh, that they present on the internet, um, and they do it so that they can get the accolades of society, so that people can look at it and say, "Oh, I like that. Uh, oh, wow, your life is really great." Um, and that can be a real trap for people, um, you know. It, and, and I'm not even saying it's like. Oh, you're just a terrible person if you're doing these things. But I'm saying it's like 
that can be a lure, that can draw your heart into uh, sinful attitudes of puffing yourself up and valuing yourself based on the way that society sees you. Um, and the, the reality is, God's view of us is the only thing that really matters. And God sees us in Christ. Um, and that's where our focus should be. Um, so if you can use social media safely, that's fine. You can use social media. Uh, but if you find that it's drawing your heart to this performance, to trying to uh, put a display of how wonderful a person you are, um, then you probably should be spending less time on social media. And this, and you can just be drawn into this as well. You could be on social media for perfectly legitimate purposes, but then you're looking at all your friends and you're seeing what they're saying, what they're doing, the articles they're posting, and you're like, oh wow, I, I need to, you know, I need to step up my game. I need to be more like that. Um, and if if you're feeling that, then maybe you should stop reading other people's posts because it's just causing your heart to sin. Um, again, this is something that's like there's no black and white. It's like, oh well, let's just cut off all social media. It's not like that at all. Um, but it's you need to examine your heart and say. What do I need to do to guard my heart against sin? Um, so it's, there's no there's no easy answers there. Um, another example that I had, I, I'll, actually I'll give you. Does anybody else have any other examples? I've got I've got one more example I want to give that I think is is very relevant today. So um, so the other one that that I was thinking of um, is um, is anxiety driven by paying close attention to the news. Um, if you're just always watching the news, there, there are people that are just like, they're just glued to the news and they're just terrified about the way the world is going. Um, and it's often things that like are just like the, the ups and downs of, of daily life. And you, you know, you've got this, you know, the, the 24 hour news cycle. It's just like, there's always something new. There's always some big thing that you just have to know about. Um, and, uh, you know, being informed about what's going on in the world is a really good thing. You should be informed about what's going on in the world. But if your life is just just revolves around this fear about what's going on in the world, and you just like you feel compelled to watch the news all the time because it's like I just I just have to know what's going on, um, and and you know things are really bad, and what am I going to do? And, um, that's not a that's not a godly attitude. Um, we should. We should realize God is sovereign. Um, he determines the rise and fall of nations. He's in control of everything that happens. Um, we should be informed, but we, we don't want to be where we're anxious about these things. And if you can't you know, watch the news without being anxious, then you need to at least cut back your news. You know, uh, Make it where that's not really what you're focused on all the time. Um, so that was another thing. That or as I heard a preacher say one time, you should spend at least as much time reading your Bible as you do watching the news, mm -hmm. you know, to keep that balance yeah. of perspective. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's that's. I mean, and oftentimes that's really all it takes. You know, is just is just a, a you know, use that gatekeeper to to flood in the good stuff, the thing that's going to cause your heart to be what it should be, and then you can handle a little bit of bad stuff because it's like you're you're not going to be able to avoid all bad stuff, um, but if you keep the the flow of good stuff into your eyes at a high enough level, then it's going to make it's going to make it where you're not going to be your heart's not going to be nearly as adversely affected by the things that you that you see. And Ben, uh, well, I, 
I keep thinking of Psalm 73 while we're talking about this. Yeah. Because I think it's Asaph, yeah, he's talking about how he had almost stumbled because I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Right. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he goes on about all of that and everything they have. But then it's when he goes into the sanctuary that he's able to discern their end. Yeah. And see the end that God has given for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a I mean that's a great example which you know of like you know of like you're looking at things and you're seeing them just from this world perspective and you're like man why am I even bothering to to try to live a holy life because that person they're just living a godless life and they are prospering and it's like there's no point to what I'm doing here but then when you get the full perspective as Asaph did then you're like, okay, I, I see this. I see that ultimately um, they're 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 on sand. It's it, you know they are going to be destroyed, um, and I'm I'm doing the thing that I should be doing if I'm seeking to be obedient to God. Um, and uh, the way things appear in the in the temporary, just you know, it's not it's not nearly as important. You know? <clears throat> So those are just some examples, and um, hopefully, as you consider, um, you know, what's going on in your own life, you will come up with some other examples of areas where you might want to cut off what's coming into your eyes. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse uh, 14, uh, Paul says, "But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires." Um, this is, this is something we should take seriously. We should think strategically about how to protect our hearts. Uh, we must consider what steps we can take uh, that will be effective in limiting corrupting influences from entering our eyes. Um, often keeping the heart um, is more practical and obvious uh, than we may think. Um, it could be as simple as not watching certain movies. I mean, this is this is the point that, that Troxel makes in his book. It's, I mean, it's, it's that simple. And, you know, maybe this is, like, for, for all of us here, maybe that's an obvious one. I don't know. Um, for some people, it's not. Um, and, now, this is, of course, something that we should be careful about uh, because it can be very easy to use our convictions about inappropriate movies as a way to look down on others. Uh, we are warned about this attitude by Paul, specifically in relation to convictions about diet. Uh, in Romans chapter 14, verse 3, he says... Uh, let not the one who eats uh, despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, uh, for God has welcomed him. But there's also a danger that we will indulge in sinful desires and justify it by the claim that we are avoiding legalism. Uh, so we have to be very careful about that. Um, and if we truly desire to guard our hearts, then we should seriously consider uh, the impact of what we watch, and cut out the things that encourage sin. Um, our eyes are part, are part of our bodies, and God is not indifferent to how we use them. Uh, again in Romans uh, chapter 6 now, verse 13, uh, Paul says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from, uh, from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. So that's the way we should be using our eyes. We should be using our eyes as instruments of righteousness. Um, and it can be very easy to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm watching this movie because 
I'm free to do it. Or I'm watching this movie because, well, there's, there's something good I can get out of it. But really what's going on in our heart um, is it's like, well, this gives me an opportunity to watch something that I probably shouldn't. Um, it gives me an excuse for that. Um, but again, we also don't want to be you know, judging others if they draw the line on movies differently than we do. So definitely something we have to be very careful about. But we should examine our own hearts uh, as we approach these things. Um, now, it may be very difficult to give up things that we enjoy. Um, it may even be the case that there are things that are partially good and partially bad that are harming you. Um, sometimes the good outweighs the bad, but often the bad overshadows the good that you get out of it. And abstaining from these, thing, these things can seem like a great sacrifice. Um, and, I mean, in a sense, they are. They're very painful. They're, uh, they're hard for us to do. But it's not a loss when you consider what you stand to gain. Uh, consider Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So we need to really examine our hearts and say, um, are these things that I'm desiring, are they, are they really more important than Christ? And if they're causing us to sin, then... Um, Really, it's we're, we're we're placing those things, and if they're causing us to sin, and we insist on keeping them in our in our lives, then we're placing those things as being more valuable to us than Christ. Um, so, if if Christ is the most valuable thing for us, then we should be looking at like, okay, these things are a detriment to my life, and though I enjoy them for whatever reason, um, I need to cut them out because Christ is more important. Any other thoughts on eyes before we before we turn to the ears? All right. So ears are also uh, gatekeepers to our hearts. Like the eyes, they determine what passes into the heart uh, and then mutates into thoughts, desires, and decisions. Uh, the relationship between the ear and the heart is no less than what uh, the eye enjoys. Um, the stubborn hearts of Israel would not be influenced by listening to God. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 8 uh, says, Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore I brought upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. Uh, a false report believed goes to the heart. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 13 beginning in verse 30. Um, it says, uh, while they were on their way, news came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. Then the king rose and tore his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants who were standing by tore their garments. But Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, said, let, my, let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for Ammon alone is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he violated his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king so take it to heart as to suppose that all the king's sons are dead. 
for Ammon alone is dead. And so there, there's an example of, of something being heard and being taken to heart. And in this case, it's a, it's a false report. Um, in Proverbs, wisdom uh, is commended to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress and her smooth words. That's chapter 7, verse 5. Um, and it's, it's not simply a visual thing. I mean, you know, we were just talking about lust and in terms of the eyes. Uh, but uh, the reality is when the warning comes against the adulteress, it isn't just the eyes that are being uh, considered here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. So the, the ears are uh, definitely a way that sin can be um, uh, can find its way into our heart. Do the things that we hear cause us to fantasize about sin? Uh, do we put ourselves in situations where we can be talked into sin? Uh, do we entertain do we entertain ourselves uh, by listening to things that turn sin into comedy? This is something that I uh, you know that I. I mean, I'm sure that all the rest of you do too. Um, I encounter this just like every day in the world that um, there's just so much of taking sin and turning it into comedy. Um, and I mean, you just, I mean, you know, you, you go to work and you're going to hear people, you know, uh, talk this way. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, But sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Uh, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So not only uh, should we not be speaking this way, but we should guard against listening to others speaking this way. Um, Sometimes it's unavoidable, uh, but we should take steps to prevent it as much as possible. Um, it's um, it's as important as with the eyes that we do not limit this to guarding against lust. Um, we uh, we live in a society uh, today where it's incredibly common to see uh, little electronic speakers in people's ears. Um, obviously, I'm no exception. <laughs> Just using them as hearing aids right now, but you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I still, you know, I certainly do a lot of listening to things, um, and I'm sure that, that uh, many of you do as well, but it's just like, it's like you just walk around anywhere, and it's like you see stuff in people's ears. It's just, it's just incredibly common today. Um, but we need to be wise about what we let into our ears. Um, thinking that I had something I wanted to say, and I was like, where is it? And I, I skipped over it. Um, but, but, I mean, we do. We need to be wise about we, what we let into our ears. Um, and in my own experience, I find that, um, that hearing something uh, can have a greater effect than, uh, than seeing something. Um, years ago, I used to listen to uh, radio DJs almost every day. I mean, particularly it was like the, you know, the morning shows. It wasn't limited to that, but it's like, you know, like driving to work. And just be listening to the morning shows, and you have the DJs with their uh, comedic banter, um, you know. And most of it was, you know, just silly stuff, and you'd forget it after a few days. 
but sometimes I would hear something that would stir up sinful desires in my heart. And I can still remember those things vividly more than two decades later. I mean, it's just like, they just like, they just had such an impact. Just those words that like, often more than images that I've seen that I wish I could erase from my head. There's things that I've heard people describe that I'm like, I really wish I could just erase that from my memory. Um, and it, it really can have an impact. Um, we're, just, we're just wired that way, where hearing things um, can definitely have a huge impact on what's in our heart. Um, again, uh, we don't want to just uh, limit this to a discussion of lust, because there are all sorts of things that, uh, that we can hear, that we can allow to come into our ears uh, that can affect our hearts and can cause us uh, to be drawn away into sin. Uh, can anybody think of some examples of, of what we might hear? That's maybe a tougher one. One um, somewhat related to one of the visual ones, but not exactly the same. Um, and I... I would, I might be hesitant to, to say this if if uh, if I knew that this was a problem for anybody here. So if it is a problem for you, I'm not singling you out. I don't know about it, but it's it's it is a little bit of a hobby horse of mine. But um, how many people are consumed with anxiety because they're constantly listening to political talk radio? I mean, I've definitely encountered people that like they're just they're just overcome with anxiety, and it's like they just feel compelled to just keep listening. Again, it's good to be informed. But my experience with political talk radio is that its primary purpose is to make you afraid that terrible things are going to happen if you don't stay informed by listening to hours of political talk radio every day. That's what they're there for. They're not there to inform you. They're there to frighten you into keep listening. Um, an hour is spent giving you information that, you could, that they could have told you in five minutes. Uh, and most of it isn't nearly as important as the host pretends that it is. But you feel compelled to listen and are fearful that if you turn it off, you will miss something that you need to know. And the advertising dollars continue to flow in because the host has convinced you to keep listening. Uh, so what's the result in your heart? Anxiety? Anger? If you're mad at those on the other side politically? Uh, pride, because you know all about what's going on. Um, and I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't listen to political talk radio, but you should ask yourself how it affects you and consider if you need to make a change in order to guard your heart. Um, you know, Some amount of political talk radio, I'm sure, is fine. Um, but they, you know, they design it like people design slot machines. You know, they're, they're there to get your money, and they're going to work it for that purpose, and so you need to be aware of that and and guard your heart. Yeah. Well, and on that line, I mean, all radio probably falls into this to a certain extent, mm -hmm. um, or podcasts. Mm -hmm. But uh, a common one for that is, is uh, sports mm -hmm. uh, radio and podcasts, which I probably want a few people in this room that that applies to. But <clears throat> uh, but yeah, you can spend a whole lot of time like, oh, I've just got to know what's going on with my team or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't make much of a difference in the right scheme of things. Yeah, 
Yeah. Two days later, did I really need to know what was going on that particular day? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it depends on how you use it. Um, I again, I'm not a sports guy, so I don't I don't ever listen to that stuff. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily sinful. I mean, for some people, it's just it's just a pleasant thing you can enjoy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it can become a problem if you just obsess about it and if you make it to be something more important than it is. Because ultimately, sports don't matter. They're fine, nice for entertainment, um, if that's something that you're into, but they ultimately don't matter. Um, it's, it's not going to have an impact on your spiritual life or the history of the world or anything like that. Um, it's just, sure, it's, it's games. Um, and you don't want to, you don't want to place too much importance on that. And people can get wrapped up in that, where they just like that's all they care about. Um, yeah. Um, uh, another area uh, where uh, we may be letting things into our ears that we shouldn't is gossip. Um, our desire to compare ourselves to one another can easily be stirred. Can easily be stirred by reports of shocking behavior. Um, of course, we shouldn't uh, be. We should be concerned about each other and seek to know what's going on in each other's lives. Um, and it can be very difficult to discern what motivations are. So this is something that's like, oh, well, I don't ever want to hear anything about anybody. That's not the answer. Um, but uh, but we do need to consider, like, what are our motivations uh, when when somebody's telling us something and we're listening? What's what's really going on in our heart? Um, often things can be clearer. Uh, when you're talking to unbelievers, though, um, you you may find that a particular coworker loves to gossip about everyone else that he works with, um, and it's evident that he's not telling you so that you can pray for them. I mean, that's not it's like, oh, well, yeah, pray for that person because they, you know, I mean, sometimes gossip can be disguised that way in the church, but you know, if you're if you're talking to an unbeliever at work, they're not going to do it that way. They're just going to say, oh, wow, did you hear about what so and so did? Um, and for them, it's just it's just you know reveling in all these shocking things that happen. Um, and in situations like that, you might consider stopping the person and telling him that you don't want to hear about things that are none of your business. Um, you know that maybe that's not the most tactful way to handle it. I mean, it just depends on the situation. You got to kind of gauge that. But um, but it's something that's like we need to consider. Like, what can we do to guard our ears against things that are going to cause us uh, to have sinful, uh, sin, you know, sinful things happening in our hearts. I mean, if we if if we have that coworker come and start telling us stuff, and we're like, wow, you know, and we're just like really riveted by all these horrible things that our coworkers do, um, then we need to say, well, that's probably not good for me to be listening to these stories all the time. Um, I mean, you know, unless they're like, I mean, obviously there are situations where it's like I kind of need to know this, you know. Um, but if it's just like, oh, this person's doing this in their personal life, and I don't really need to know about that, um, but it becomes a sinful uh, indulgence, um, then you should probably find ways to like block yourself off from that and say, yeah, I don't, I don't need to hear that. That's really not, that's really not my business. Um, there's just all sorts of things. I, I, you know, now that I've given a couple more examples, can anybody think of any other uh, things that you might uh, be allowing in your ears that might be a good idea to try to block those things off. Yeah. Well, something I thought of was some people who have grown up in the church have heard the Bible taught over and over and over and over. 
And so they are attracted to uh, preachers or teachers that teach new and innovative things. Okay. You know, yeah. just we have deeper insights. You know, you're looking at scripture mm-hmm. from a Western perspective instead right. of Eastern perspective and things uh-huh. like that. And so they really open themselves up to false teachings. Right. You know, just because they want something new and innovative. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is an interesting one there. I mean, as I, you know. Listening to listening to false teachers is something that is like again is something that you need to balance because we need to be as Christians we need to be aware of what false teachers are saying and because we care about truth we need to give them a fair shot at presenting their case but if you're just drawn to the novelty of false teaching then that's not a good reason to be listening to false teaching and you should you should stay away from that. Um, if you're if you're doing it discerningly, then small doses of false teaching and still lots of you know good teaching is a, is a perfectly acceptable thing. So you got to have that right balance. But yeah, if you're like you said, you know somebody who's like, well they've they've heard truth all their lives, and then it's like, oh wow, this is this is new. I haven't heard this before, and they're just drawn to that. Uh, that can be very dangerous. And so yeah, that's a that's definitely an example of where you probably should be cutting that off. Ben, did you? Uh, I'm just thinking with all these things, really, we need to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to know our own limits. And, and that really starts also with knowing who God is and who, what he's called us to do, what it, who he's called us to be. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there are so many things, like in my own life, where I'm very different from other people. And like mm-hmm. some things I need to limit myself more than other people, and other things it's fine. Right. And it's it's... Yeah, we really just need to be good students of our own heart. Right. It really starts with knowing God. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, so many people in church history have, I think, gone the wrong direction by saying, okay, well, here's the list of things you should avoid. Um, and there are things that, like, Scripture doesn't say you should avoid these things. It's like, oh, but these things can lead to things that the Scripture forbids. And they, so they start, you know, stacking up all these things. It's like, well, that might not be a problem for that person over there. Um, and that's really just not the, uh, the the proper approach. And it can lead to all sorts of other problems where people are, you know, they start measuring their spirituality based on how well they're, you know, matching this external code. But but I think you like you really like kind of hit it with, you know, with two major points of knowing what Scripture says, knowing what God has called us to. And knowing your own heart. Just honestly examining your own heart and saying, what is a problem for me? Um, and it can be very easy, like, like we've talked about so many times during this study, for our hearts to deceive us, to trick us, to say, oh, no, this is okay, um, and to rationalize things. Um, but if we're really examining our hearts and really considering, it's like, what really is a problem for me? Then we need to recognize the things that we're just rationalizing and saying, no, this this really is a problem for me, and I need to cut this out. Um, but it's just so individualized, just depending on the way God has made each of us and the experiences that we've that we've had through our lives. Um, that you you can't just you know cookie cutter set it up. This is the way it is for everybody. Um, so, I mean, it really requires each of us to be students of the word of God and students of our own hearts to uh, attempt to apply these you know, restrictions on the gatekeepers of our heart 
um, and to make it where the things that are bad for us we cut out from from our eyes and from our ears. So yeah, that's a that is a great point. Well, it's impossible to exhaust every conceivable example of things that we uh, should guard against. Uh, but the principle is simple. Uh, when you find that your heart is drawn to sin, consider whether something you saw or heard was a significant contributing factor. And if so, it might be, kind of, might be time to cut something out of your life. Um, set good things before your eyes and fill your ears with wholesome words. And these things will affect your heart, and they will push your mind, desires, and will um, in the direction of godliness. If you set your set your if you make it where the things going into your eyes and the things going in your ears are godliness, but if you set your your eyes and your ears on things that are ungodly, it's going to push your heart in that direction. So if we want to keep our hearts, we need to make use of the gatekeepers of our eyes and our ears. Any final thoughts or questions? Ben? A uh, couple of things. First off, uh, one more thing with the ears is, I didn't think that just thought it was flattery. Was what? Flattery. Yes, flattery. Um, and I think that's just, we're especially maybe vulnerable to that today because we live in a culture of um, where we want uh, Validation. Validation, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that with a lot of the pride things and stuff like that. Like so many things, it's, oh, well, I'm validating your feelings or I'm validating what you desire or whatever. And, um, we can be guilty of that too. We find ourselves in an echo chamber of people saying what we think and it kind of flatters ourselves. Yes. Um, but, and then my second point was kind of just, I think Proverbs, with all these, Proverbs is a good place to go. Because you're saying, like, oh, there isn't really a list in some ways. In one sense, it's right. But in another sense, there is a list of common things. Mm-hmm. Sure. You even went through them, mm-hmm. them. And Proverbs talks a lot about those. Right. And uh, it's, it's good to maybe start there to, to see. This is where God says we're likely to struggle. And mm-hmm. here's the answer. Right, yeah. And, and often what you see in Proverbs is the high-level stuff. You know, it's the lust, it's the pride. It's not like, uh, you know, where it gets individualized isn't lust and pride, because all of us struggle with those things. Um, it's the, like, well, what does, does this cause me lust? Does this cause me pride? Um, and that can be very different from individual to individual. But on the high level, it's like we're, we're all wired the same. Um, we all struggle with the same types of sins. It's just they attack us a little bit differently. Um, but but yeah, um, obviously Proverbs is a great place to go for examining your heart and seeing like okay these are the types of things that people often struggle with. Um, and it, I mean, you know, Scripture is is there to uh, to train us in righteousness. And, uh, and I, guess I know we mentioned it uh, last week, but we need to read Scripture as if it trains us for righteousness. It's not just something that we that we read to check a box off, but it's something that, that we need to read and see how does this apply to my heart. So. All right. Well, we are out of time, so let's uh, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your care for us. We thank you that your Holy Spirit works in us. We thank you uh, for Jesus, for his uh, great work 
in our hearts. And God, I just pray that we would be diligent to keep our hearts, that we would consider the things that we see, the things that we hear, uh, Lord, and that we would really uh, seek to, uh, to have hearts that are pure, that are devoted to you, and that we would be uh, willing, that we would have the strength uh, to take those things out of our lives um, that are really just a, a bad influence and cause us to sin. Um, we would um, not consider the, the cost to our lives to be of any great worth, but that we would see the value of knowing Christ as being far beyond all of those things and that that would just uh, enable us to have the strength to, to do what we need to do uh, to serve you in a way that is pleasing to you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.